We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Straightcast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire and BetOnline.ag. We are another week closer to the NFL Draft, and I'm joined by my co-host, not my guest, my co-host, Dan Senio. How's it going, on, Dan? It's good. We're making up to the big leagues this week. No longer in that guest seat, fully in the co-host spot. You know, just out here doing dad stuff, bought and built beds for my uh, older two kids. Went out, uh, I think I'm having a COVID crisis. Not quite a midlife crisis, it's a COVID crisis about a kayak, and, uh, Took it, took it for his maiden voyage today. Didn't flip it, didn't put myself in the water. Saw two or three of the biggest snapping turtles I've ever seen in my life. One of them kind of looked like Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> At this point, I think most animals look like Ben Roethlisberger with him <laughs> and his, his beard. Uh, I will say that I am recording from my new computer. Uh, yeah, after, everyone, clap, after, everyone, round after of applause. much consultation with Dan and uh, many people. Uh, I have purchased an HP Pavilion uh, because I now work on the computer. Uh, I am a behavioral therapist via the internet, so there's that going. So you know, got a new computer, and it's so fast, so much faster than a Asus Chromebook. <laughs> for those that are wondering, obviously good for work, but also good for podcasting because hopefully when our guests, when we have guests, they won't be like, "Why is Nathan's sound crapping out for the fourth time?" <laughs> and next week, hopefully. We'll get to use that <clears throat> that beautiful microphone that that we were able to buy you uh, instead of this little popsicle stick that you use currently. Yeah, we'll try that one out next week. <laughs> All right, we'll get into the show. Before we do that, let you know to get involved with Rotoviz, rotoviz.com slash radio. Get you a 10% discount to all of our content and tools, all the great articles produced by the, the Dynasty team that writes and the Redraft team. Everything you want from a fantasy perspective, Rotoviz has got it. Uh, Dynasty Command Center, get involved with that as well on the Rotoviz uh, network. 
uh, with our friends Curtis, Patrick, and uh, uh, Travis May. So make sure to go to roadbiz.com slash radio to get 10% discount to an annual pass, and we'll get you hooked up. All right. So today we're going to be talking landing spots, Dan. We are a couple weeks away from the draft. I think we have, I think I did the math, and we have three shows away from the draft, which means in two shows we will do our combined 2019-2020 rookie mock. But for this week, we will be doing landing spots. We were doing uh, talking about where players could go and how would that affect not necessarily their value, just the, the value of a rookie going into the situation and, and whether that rookie stock would go up, stock would go down. And we'll talk about players that you know we project to go in the range of those picks, especially in the first round. But in general, you know, good fits in the later rounds. Yeah, and, and some people write off landing spot a little bit. I think it's definitely an important part of the equation when trying to figure out values, trying to, you know, place those guys within your rookie ranks and really find, you know, who's going where and, and, and what their true value is going to be. Obviously, uh, I think draft capital is kind of your baseline. That's definitely where you want to start because it is probably the most important. If the NFL thinks they're worth a first-round pick, second-round pick, et cetera, uh, we kind of have to go based on their guidelines. Obviously, um, it isn't always the case. You know, like last year, Marquise Brown, first-round pick, first wide receiver off the board, right? And goes Baltimore Ravens. Oh, we don't want him. He was like uh, late first, early second in rookie drafts. Obviously, uh, it changed a little bit as the season went on. But uh, landing spots have a, a, a big, big, you know, part of, of where these values are. So, uh, hopefully we can kind of clear that up for you a little bit throughout the, the process. We'll, we'll try to cover most of the important names, most of the big names. We may hit on a couple of random sleepers, but for the most part, it's going to be kind of your mainstream names and, and really hope we can kind of slide them in based on some speculation and some nice landing spots. And I do think that there's one value in projecting landing spots before the draft in the fact that, if you aren't, if you're shocked by a landing spot one way or the other, either good or bad, it can alter your value more than alter the value of the player more than it really should. One example would be with Nikhil Harry. No one expected him to drop to New England at the end of the first round, and when that happened, we're like, "Oh, Nikhil Harry, 101, no matter what." And granted, I'm not still, I'm not convinced that that was the wrong pick quite yet, but still, if we had been prepared for that, maybe we would have been like less like Nikhil Harry, New England, woo. Yeah, for sure. There, there's all, like, and we've talked about it a million times. There's all, there should always be a reaction, but their go- your goal is to react, not overreact or underreact. Just find that middle ground, understand it, and do whatever you need to do with it. Just don't go off the deep end in either direction. All right, we'll start off with the pretty much the only landing spot that we know uh, three weeks removed from the draft, and that is Joe Burrow uh, projected to go to the Cincinnati Bengals with the first overall pick. So we'll talk a little bit about Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green on the franchise tag. Uh, what do you think of the situation Joe Burrow will be entering into? Well, there's a good amount of skill players there, obviously. the I think we all expect that offensive line to bounce back, I think. If this does end up being Burrow, even though there has been kind of some rumblings of the potential Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold saga, you know, part two with maybe Justin Herbert sneaking up there. Um, But I do think it is Joe Burrow, obviously with one of the greatest seasons in college football history from a quarterback perspective. It'd be hard not to take him. Uh, But, you know, LSU, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I think I think it's a, a one of the I mean without going to like a legitimate contender right off the bat, this is one of the 
kind of better spots you could come into with a line that's going to be at least average with an elite running back. You've got some really nice pass catchers. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's a good spot. And the defense isn't, you know, anything to write home about. So they're probably going to be out there. He's going to get his reps. And I, I think his rookie season is going to be not, you know, crazy good for, for fantasy. But he, I think he's going to build a nice base to kind of work off of and build through sophomore year, so, through his sophomore year in the NFL. So, yeah, I, I think Bengos and Burrow – it's going to be nice. Yeah, I I think I think it's a nice spot for Burrow. Uh, I do think that we are kind of and and granted, you just kind of touched on yourself. I do think that some people are are crowning a Burrow a little bit early in terms of like his immediate impact. I think it might be year two, year three before he's really a guy you're sticking your lineup outside of superflex leagues. So you know, in a one quarterback league, he's still a mid to late second at the end of the day, and that kind of obviously also depends on where where guys are taken from running back wide receiver in the first three rounds. But more often than not, I would say Jared Burrow's like ceiling from one quarterback perspective is around that 206, 207. And in terms of Superflex, it's a top conversation between Burrow, Swift, and Taylor, basically. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, I guess we can kind of talk about these two in, in tandem because I think that the two quarterbacks they could possibly take is also in tandem. We have the Dolphins and Chargers with Tua Tagovailoa and uh, Justin Herbert. So. So most of the rumblings recently have been the Dolphins might be a little bit scared of the hip with Tua. Also, the Chargers might be more willing to trade up for Tua from six to three, with the Lions being that obvious trade out spot. So, I think that the landing spot I want the most is the Dolphins out of these two. I, I think that they're going to build a nice team with all the draft picks that they have going on. I think they're going to select a running back fairly early, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and a wide receiver as well. So I think they're going to build a nice young offense around whether it's Herbert or Tua. But either way, I, I think that's the preferred landing spot here, not because of what's on the roster now, but what will be on the roster in a year from now. Yeah, I think looking towards the future, especially when you're talking about Tua, is, is more important than what he's going into immediately. Uh, I really would like the Chargers for, for Herbert if that ends up working out because of what they do have now. I think he's someone that is ready to go now, could be the day one starter. And you go in with Keenan Allen, you go in with Mike Williams, you've got you know both ends of the spectrum for wide receiver covered right there. And then you have Hunter Henry, plus Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Um, offensive line is still an issue, but it's you have you have the talent around you where you can at least get a little bit comfortable in the minimal amount of time that you have. Now, if if I really had to pick, I'd probably I'd probably want to. Uh, with the Chargers pass catchers, but at the same time, like you said, there, there's going to be so much more built through with the Dolphins. The Chargers don't aren't going to be building the way the Dolphins are building. They have so much draft capital. They already have a couple of nice pieces in place. They're going to add to it. We know that. Um, you know, even if they stick with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, plus Mike Gusecki, whatever running back they bring in, that's not the worst thing in the world. You got a lot of young assets. Obviously, Devontae Parker is kind of coming out of his former self. Some went from a moth to a butterfly somehow. So I really like both spots, honestly. I think both teams um, have pros and cons. But, uh, yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, Tua in Miami makes the most sense. I'm, I'm guessing the we may not like him because of the hip talk is – is just speculation to try to get somebody to move and or or to make people think that they're 
that they're um, not going to take him and that they can just sit and stand pat and wait for him to get there. And then they can have their clean, clean line at him. Yeah, and but when, when you do think about it with the hip and obviously Herbert more likely to start in week one, it does make more sense for two to go to the Dolphins who aren't in any rush to win and are building that team, and the Chargers who have a bunch of pieces that are ending the, the going towards the end of their rookie deals or are already on their second deals with Keenan Allen. So yeah, I, I think that the ideal scenario for fantasy players would be Tua to the Dolphins, let him sit uh, at least the few, first few games of the year, and then Herbert going to the Chargers starting in Week One. You know. That could be debated all, all summer long, whether you go Tyrod or Herbert week one, but I think that, that would be the ideal move with Herbert. All right, next one is going to be the Buccaneers. Obviously, they signed Tom Brady to the two-year deal, and there's some speculation whether they're still in the quarterback game. I do think they still are because the, re- the reason why I think they are is that right now they're picking, what, 12? 12 or 14? One of the two. I think it's 14. They're picking 14, and if they're going to compete, which they think they are with Tom Brady – this is the highest they're going to pick in the next two years. So if Jordan Love falls to them at 14, this is their opportunity to get their quarterback of the future while not having to worry about it once Brady's time is up. Yeah, and honestly, it could be a spot, too, where they they find another piece at, at 14 and then they use their second-round pick to potentially get a Fromm or an Eason uh, or even someone like Jalen Hurts if they happen to like, uh, you know, if Arians likes the way that Hurts plays, I think it's probably more likely that they look at quarterback later on. But it's a good opportunity to get maybe you like Jordan Love. Maybe maybe they have a first-round grade on Fromm. Maybe, you know, any of those things, all it takes is one team to, to like a, a prospect. So um, I do see Bucks going quarterback at some point. I, I think what will end up happening is you let them sit and wait for a year because if they do end up being a first-round pick, they're going to be overpriced in all of your Superflex drafts. They're probably but are, gonna, are they? Because they, they will. Are, they're at least a year, maybe two years away from starting. Still a first-round quarterback. Um, they're going to be too expensive because of, because of the draft capital part. And, 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 and because of the wide receivers. Exactly. So you give it a year. They don't see the field. Brady returns for year 56, and at that point, you'll be able to get whoever that is for probably pretty darn cheap unless there's a clear, hey, this is my final season. I'm, you know, and I don't think we're ever going to get that note from Brady. He's just going to say, I'm going to keep playing literally until I die on that field. Yeah, or it's just, I signed this two-year deal. This two years done. I'm going back to wherever he lives. Right. <laughs> All right. Next one, uh, a team that does not have a first round pick, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. So this, this would be a team. They have the 34th overall pick. Uh, I think it's the uh, Washington's second round pick. So uh, that pick would be in contention for a Jalen Hurts, Jake from Jacob Eason. Uh, they have Phillip Rivers, obviously on, on only on a one year deal. Brady got a two year deal. Rivers was only got a one year deal. And they do have Brissett, which, you know, he's very cuttable at, at, at next year. So, are you penciling in quarterback uh, with the second round pick for the Colts, or do you think that they will stand pat and address quarterback in future years? I think it might end up being the just kind of work with what you got and then, you know, kind of – you can't really say tank for Trevor because they're never going to be in that conversation. They're not going to get Justin Fields. Um, 
it it might be that they're looking at 2021 to try to bring in a quarterback of the future. Um, again, it, it only takes you know one team to like somebody. So maybe they fall in love with one of these guys or they already have through this process, even though this is probably the weirdest process anyone will ever have to go through because they're not able to bring these guys in for workouts and do all of their normal things and have all of these regular meetings. Uh, everything's over Skype or Zoom or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think they they just kind of live with Rivers for a year, let Jacoby's contract run out, and then start fresh 2021 uh, or 2022, I guess technically. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird one. It, it would make a lot of sense, but at the same time, I, I think I think they're just gonna try to get as many things that they can to win now. I think wide receiver is more likely there than quarterback in that, that early second. And I will say that a three-quarterback room is very rare in the NFL today. Normally it's two, and they're not going to cut Brissett. So probably might take them out of the running for a rookie quarterback, but not necessarily. And the last one is the Patriots. Uh, I feel like Jordan Love has been dropping in mocks to, to their pick in the first round. And I think part of that is just the media wants Jordan Love to end up with Belichick, the raw prospect that has the big arm, uh, and combine that with Belichick's genius equals, you know, who knows what. I I, I don't know. I'm st- the more it goes on, and obviously the, we'll know more so in three weeks, but the more it goes on, I, I think they're going to give Stidham a shot. It's going to be Stidham for 2020. I, I have placed wagers on it. <laughs> um, it, it. To me, this feels like the tank for Trevor team. This feels like the team that's ready to go 2-14. and 14 ready to have that number one overall spot and only have a one-year gap between Brady and then one of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen in Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, Or if they screw up and win a couple games, Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tough consolation. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think the Patriots do their normal Patriot thing. They look at guys and, and try to figure out how they can be three years from now, do do their whole deal. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jordan Love would be great. I think it would be fun. I just really do think that it's going to be Stidham for 2020, and uh, and they just let him lose. All right, go on to our next one, and it's the running back position. Uh, we'll start with two, two teams that we talked about last week when we talked about players being possibly replaced, and it's the Ravens and the Chiefs. Uh, I do think these are two of the best uh, first-round running back uh, candidate teams. So we'll start with the Ravens. Obviously, the two candidates for the Ravens would be Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift. So I guess kind of break down what the value happens for running backs, whether it's the first-round guy or maybe even like the third-round guy. So, I mean, so if I had to play favorites and just kind of be like, all right, this is perfect, you know, first-round pick, blah, blah, blah. I think you have to put Jonathan Taylor in Baltimore. He makes sense with the offense. Uh, he's not going to be leaned upon to catch a ton of passes. They can play a little bit of that game. But if they can run that offense with an elite back, I mean, they have Mark Ingram, and he's been very good in this offense. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor is in a whole different universe. That, that to me, is almost perfection. And then if you if you're looking a little bit deeper – and maybe they want to stick with Ingram, but they want to upgrade that secondary back. I think A.J. Dillon there would be a really nice fit to complement Mark Mark Ingram. Uh, that one, to me, makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then if you scroll over to the Chiefs, I would love to see Swift there. 
I think a lot of people would like to see Dobbins there. I, I think Swift is going to be the better all-purpose back, but maybe the Chiefs see a, a glaring hole elsewhere, and they wait until the third or maybe the fourth to go get another back. And once you get beyond a certain amount, maybe maybe you're looking at like the Eno Benjamins uh, of the world, guys like that, and Keyshawn Vaughn, I, I guess, and kind of in that realm. Um, and those are different guys, but I feel like they could go with a, a lot of different running back profiles, and it's going to work in that offense. Zach Moss is another one later on that that you know maybe new Kareem Hunt. I, I guess I, I don't know. It's to me these two offenses. It, it I don't think it matters who they draft if they spend the capital on them those guys are going to come in and they're going to be good because of the offense, because of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And pretty much if it's day one or day two for these teams, I'm buying the running back as much as I can. And if it's a day three pick, I am fading the running back. Cause if it's a day three, if it's a fourth round running back, it's they're going to go in the first round of rookie drafts and that will be an overdraft. Uh, speaking and of just, just so people, if people are, are wondering why it's an avoid at that point, the historical data basically says if it's not a first-round pick or a second-round pick, they have almost no chance of turning in big-time fantasy seasons. Now, there are outliers. The third round has a couple. But beyond that, it's almost non-existent. I think you'd be you'd have a better chance of finding an undrafted free agent than a guy between the fourth and seventh rounds that put up big fantasy numbers. So if you're wondering why Nathan was saying it's kind of an off-put, they're going to go too high, and I have no interest, it's that. Yep. And for the next one, it is uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Ronald Jones, Ron Jones, uh, the RB1 there right now. But pretty much every mock I've seen that is deeper than one round has them taking Edwards Allaire in the second round, J.K. Dobbins in the second round. If they go second-round running back, I I think that that player is worth a top-five rookie pick. <laughs> I love this offense. Yeah. Uh, even if I'm, you know, a bit meh on Brady, like, Brady's not going to screw up this offense. This offense has <laughs> too many weapons uh, to to not succeed, and that's going to be good for the running back. So I'm going to be a big buyer on the Buccaneers running back if it's, if it's you know, second, third-round guy. Uh, but also, you know, just the same storyline as Ravens Chiefs pretty much. Yeah, I think I think you know you put it the tier line probably right after the Ravens and the Chiefs, and then in their own tier is probably the Bucks because of how high end that offense is. But I think Brady is the difference. Um, you know, it's a kind of a step back from the other two, and that's kind of weird to say about Tom Brady. But he's 116 years old. I mean, teams aren't going to be as feared as they would have been. They, the only reason they're going to give him the respect is because you still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So uh, another spot where I think if it's a top 60-ish, 70-ish pick that's being used on running back, it's going to be a valuable one. It's going to be a productive one, uh, an RIP to all my Rojo shares. All right, the next one, speaking of RIP, will people be saying RIP to their Todd Gurley shares? Because you said <laughs> last week that you were uh, you were worried about Todd Gurley being replaced in this draft, or was that just a, a mix of injuries going into your brain? Well, <clears throat> it was a little bit because the contract wasn't finalized yet, 
<laughs> I mean, like, it's not going to be finalized until like, July. So I think they, I think it was it completed. I think it all they, oh, they, they, they were, I think it was all worked out. Um, it just, it was like, how can they not even figure out a way to get a physical done? And you know, whatever. I, I don't know. The, there's always that underlying degenerative knee, you know, concern. Um, I, I think, I think he has as good of a chance to stick for more than one season as he does of being replaced. I don't think this is this is like a string him along and just watch the wheels fall off the wagon. I think he's either it or he's not. And we'll probably find out pretty darn quick with Atlanta um, because Matt Ryan's not getting any younger. Julio Jones isn't getting any younger. This team, if they're going to do it, it needs to happen. Um, and, you know, again, this is a team that probably should have been Play our Super Bowl contenders the last few years, and their their uh, injury luck on defense has been incredibly poor. It just seems like every season they lose their entire defense. So um, the Falcons won. If they bring in somebody, I, I think it's going to be a lot like what Daryl Henderson was last year. It's gonna, they're going to be overdrafted, and then they're just going to disappoint, even with when given a little bit of opportunity. So I don't know if if it becomes clear that that Gurley isn't going to be the option and they go running back in like the second more concern, (laughs) but it's, it's still Todd Gurley, you know? All right, let's go to the Dolphins who we talked about as being a young emerging offense. They signed Jordan Howard, but really not much else at that position. So I'll be also be a fan. This is one of the ones that not really a great offense for 2019 or 2020, uh, if they even play a season, <laughs> but right. uh, in the, in the near future, uh, it's going to be a good offense. So uh, it's, uh, they are also one of the more likely ones to take one in round one or two because uh, they have so many picks in those two rounds. So yeah, I, I like the Dolphins running back coming in, and I think that it's going to wreck Jordan Howard's value if he has any. Right, he's. I mean, if I, see the the Jordan Howard signing makes me think that they're going to be looking more towards like the J.K. Dobbins type, which I think makes a little bit more sense for their future plans. He's still, I wouldn't say he's like a project back, but he's got, he needs some polish. He's going to need some time and working in line with someone like Jordan Howard, kind of like what we saw Miles Sanders do last year. um, I feel like those two could work nice in unison as that team you know, loses 15 games. So I have a really, really bad feeling that it's going to ruin Jonathan Taylor, (laughs) at least for a couple of seasons. Uh, But I I think if it's J.K. Dobbins, that that might be a match made in heaven. You know, you just kind of suck it up for year one and then year two and beyond, assuming the team continues to build and go in the path that it wants to go in. There's real potential there. And I'm not even a big J.K. Dobbins fan, but that could be a good spot. Yep. And we'll wrap up the running back position with Todd Gurley's former team, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, who obviously two years ago was one of the best offenses in the NFL, and then towards the playoffs it petered out, and then they were terrible last year. And so, you know, there's some upside with this offense, and Daryl Henderson didn't prove that he's the locked-in RB1 by any means last season. So I, I think at the very least they'll spend a third, fourth-round pick at the running back position, and that would create some conversation depending on who the back is and what pick exactly they go in. But I, I do think that the Rams are one of the more intriguing landing spots for a running back. Yeah, there's there's a couple of ways to look at this. It's 
maybe Daryl Henderson isn't what we thought, or maybe the Rams are just keeping the Ferrari in the garage for a little too long. I think we all think that Malcolm Brown might be the better running back, but I don't think we got to see enough Daryl Henderson. And based on what we saw in college, what we saw in the NFL didn't really make a whole lot of sense. So maybe the transition went a lot slower. Maybe the McVeigh offense didn't work in his brain. I don't know. I feel like if they do go running back, it's going to be in one of those more middle rounds and it's going to end up just being a, a scat back, somebody to catch passes, someone to do, you know, punt return, kick return type duties. I don't think they're going to bring in RB1 competition. I think it's going to be Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, uh, assuming both are healthy, both are, are ready to go. But honestly, I think Malcolm Brown's starter week one. All right, let's move on to why you see your position. Uh, we're not doing tight ends tonight. We're running long, so no tight ends. Oh, before, before before we run longer, and before <laughs> we talk about our everyone's favorite position, wide receiver, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite sponsor. That's right, betonline.ag. Currently, no NBA, NHL, and MLB. Probably thinking there's nothing to bet on. Well, you're wrong, because BetOnline has your back. Our exclusive partner has hundreds of sports events, games, everything to wager on, or you can let them bring Vegas right to your door, right to your computer with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day, all online, and that includes their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. You can bet on whether or not Nathan's going to shave that massive beard off of his face. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, Bet online, your online wagering experts. Here you go. I, I will need a shaving expert after this quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, may not be a shaving expert, but I'm an expert on wide receivers, according to myself. And a team that needs needs wide receivers is the Houston Texans. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick and David Johnson for some reason, thus making it a need for that team that just has Randall Cobb, Will Fuller, and – Keith Gucci, who I think have played like four games in the last four years combined. So did you did you say just Randall Cobb? <laughs> don't make sure Ryan doesn't hear this. <laughs> Avid listener, Ryan McDowell. Uh, but Houston Texans, I did look up before the show. I, I thought they didn't have any picks. They have two seconds at least and a third, so they have some capital spent at the wide receiver position, and I think they will. I think that they will. I mean, I do think that the the wide receivers are kind of being looked at as not top heavy because there is like five, you know, relatively good wide receivers. There is Judy Lamb, which is the top. And then I think is the tier of Ruggs, Jefferson, and uh, who am I thinking of? Ruggs, Jefferson, and Rieger. Yeah. Rieger, yes. And Mims, too. I don't really like him that much. No one likes uh, him. The Baylor wide receiver. We're all going to get infatuated for the wrong reasons, and it's going to be a Baylor jersey, and then we're just all going to get pissed off when he doesn't work. But my my point staying that all six of those guys are going before the Houston Texans make a pick. Yeah, no chance so, they get a top guy. 
Yeah, so they're looking at everyone after that, and I guess it's figured out from there. But I do think they end up taking a wide receiver there. And simple fact that there's not much competition there, and you have Deshaun Watson, it's a prime landing spot for whoever ends up going there. So Bill O'Brien's dumb, which technically makes him dumb, right? <laughs> so I, it's hard to, to put a wide receiver in one of those picks. They spent all the money on Randall Cobb. They still have Will Fuller, who's going to probably play six games and be a wide receiver one for those six games. You know, they liked Kenny Stills and, and whatever, but, man, it's, they're just such a wild card. I, I don't I don't know that I can project a worthwhile wide receiver going there now. If it's later on, and maybe it's someone like Tyler Johnson or LaVisca Chenault or – you know, one of your Brian Edwards maybe later on would make a ton of sense. If they can get Brian Edwards later on, he might fight his way back into the first round of rookie rookie drafts, and I, that's not even hyperbole. If I mean Brian Edwards at one point was the wide receiver one in this class for a little while, and you know the injury obviously sucks. It's gonna probably put a little bit of a damper on year one. But it's also going to lead to probably some pretty good landing spot opportunities because he's not going to be drafted super early by a bunch of garbage teams with no quarterback. All right. Uh, next, we we go from a team with a good quarterback to a trio of teams that might be struggling at the wide your position. We have Jets, 49ers, and Raiders. All three of these guys, all three of these teams, have been mocked Judy and Lamb in pretty much every single mock draft. So... Obviously, as a Sam Darnold believer, even though I just said that these teams don't have good quarterbacks, <laughs> I, I I really hope that we end up with Judy or Lamb and, with the Jets. And but honestly, I wouldn't hate you know getting a, a, t- a tackle for my boy Sam Darnold either. Uh, but out of these Jets, Niners, Raiders, which is the best landing spot for Judy and or Lamb? Probably the Niners, even though Jimmy Garoppolo sucks. But you get Kyle Shanahan and. I feel like Kyle Shanahan is probably more important than Jimmy Graham, or not Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Jets just, it feels like you can write in Henry Ruggs for that team. And Please everyone's going to no. laugh. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to tweet my gif of the jet crash landing in the desert and just type evergreen after it yet again. It, it's, it seems like it's just, you, that's almost, that's permanent marker almost at this point. Right. Uh, Niners, I would love to see them get one of the more explosive guys. Uh, obviously, you have Debo right now, and and uh, just kind of some more. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing that the Jets and Raiders don't have though. Debo is some competition. The Jets and Raiders have no competition for the wide receiver one. But the Niners also have an offense and yes. an offensive game plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I think it'd be great to see Jerry Judy. Um, with the Niners, obviously Ceedee Lamb, I think is gonna is gonna be great. Where no matter where he goes, I, I just think uh, Judy complements Debo a little bit better. Um, and the Raiders, I, I think CD is probably just about as chalky as as rugs to the Jets. Um, I, I don't hate it. You know, we'll, we'll see if it's Carr or if it's Mariota starting that offense. I think we might get a combination of the two in 2020, depending on. Uh, how each other does, and honestly, the Raiders, I could realistically say, it could take a couple of these top wide receivers because uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, probably it was probably pre-show 
Uh, Tyrell Williams, I don't think, is living anymore. Hunter Renfro, uh, arguably their best pass catcher. Maybe Jalen Richard. <laughs> I, I, do, I, do, I, do, I do need. I got several dynasty startup invites after the show came out last week. Uh, I would like to amend. Uh, t- uh, Hunter Renfro is not going in the eighth, ninth round of dynasty startups. <laughs> I was incorrect there. Apparently, he's put a one in front. He's on the fifteenth, sixteenth round. Yeah. of startups. I was informed they were like same uh, difference. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, either way, Renfro is going to lose some value when when Lamb, Rugs, Judy come to town. Let's go to. Uh, team we've talked about so far uh, with quarterback and running back. Well, we're going to continue on with wide receiver. It's the Miami Dolphins. Although you think that Preston Williams and Parker might end up running the show there, I think that they end up investing at wide receiver uh, possibly with one of their other first-round picks if they don't waste the first-round pick on DeAndre Swift. <laughs> but either way, I, I think that if it's an early wide receiver, I like the landing spot a lot, especially with Tua or Herbert. And I, I, I think that if and granted that this is one of those things that it kind of depends on where the value goes. But if Parker's value doesn't get hurt that much by a first round wide receiver, I'm selling Parker because right now, if they go first round wide receiver, I say Parker was a product of so many targets last year. There was nothing else in the offense and that the rookie wide receiver coming in will become the new Parker that's getting the targets funneled to them. Yeah. And if it's someone like Brandon Ayuk or, uh, you know, even if they do something stupid and draft K.J. Hamler, um, those two guys I feel like make make sense, uh, especially if, if Miami's going to try to run three wide receiver, you know, the, the big boy sets. Um, those guys kind of fit in nice with Parker and Preston Williams. Um, I it's it's weird though because you could very easily put Justin Jefferson in that mix, you know Brian Edwards again. That's kind of a, a you know Edwards would be like a perfect replacement for Devonte Parker, and you'd get an actual good wide receiver. Uh, like we said before, though Parker's kind of coming out of his shell, and he he looks to at least be competent at this point rather than an. A, just a big slug. And, and to be clear, Dan is not saying Edwards in the first. He's saying like Edwards in the fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's definitely going to be a mid-round. You know, Edward. Once you get into that that Chenault Edwards um, mix, I, I think those are all going to be your kind of thirdish round type players. Um, but there's been a lot of speculation on these on these you know big explosive or the explosive guys sneaking into the first because of the playmaking ability and because of the way that the NFL is going. You're seeing a lot more smaller. Uh, speedier guys, um, and Al Davis is just rolling in his grave, doesn't have the opportunity to come in and, and draft a whole bunch of guys that run really fast. All right, let's go to our next one, and it is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside early in the second round last year. That hasn't worked out thus far. So they are a prime candidate to select another wide receiver in the early rounds. So many people have Justin Jefferson going there, Jalen Rager going there. Either way... What, what, you know what? Let's rewind. What, what do we think about Wentz? I don't know if he's good or not. <laughs> so, I mean, we can rewind the clock back if we really want. And we can go back to the pre-draft process during that season. I really never thought Wentz was good. Uh, it had the ability to watch a decent amount of his games being in Minnesota and DSU be, being on TV a fair amount, believe it or not. Um, 
I never really saw it. He was playing against JV high schoolers. And, you know, at this level, we've seen really nice stretches of football where he's playing well. The Eagles are, are you know, not to, you know, be punny, but soaring. They, I mean, when the team's rolling, he's been great. When they're bad, it's almost it almost seems like it's because he's bad. And then you get Foles coming in and doing his thing and kind of leading the team. I, I don't know. It's It feels a little bit like poor man's Andrew Luck where the injuries just kind of do the thing and then all of a sudden he steps away, you know? I, I don't think he was ever at any point on that, on that tier like Andrew Luck was because he was going to be a great quarterback. But, man, the, the injuries keep piling up for Wentz and – that can that can take a toll on you. I as, as great as a landing spot as it should be, you know, maybe Arcega Whiteside and and Elshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, even though he got hurt, didn't have great seasons because maybe Carson Wentz and the you know adjacent quarterbacks aren't very good. Yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to worry about Wentz a little bit. So I, I don't think I've, I don't think I don't think he's. I think his ceiling is average. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I don't think he's a QB1. Yeah, which I think that as we're talking about landing spots here, I think that converts to the Eagles' first-round wide receiver will be overvalued. Oh, guaranteed. I mean, just like, you know, people liked J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I liked him. I I thought he had a good opportunity to, to do some things, to get some volume. You know, Alshon Jeffrey can't stay healthy. They didn't have anyone in that wide receiver room. And they still don't have anyone in that wide receiver room. So maybe it's the room. Maybe it's Wentz. Maybe they just aren't good at drafting wide receivers. I don't know. They could go full hyphen and get Donovan Peoples-Jones and then a little bit later get Antonio Gandy-Golden. That'd be kind of fun because then you have our Sega white side. The full hyphens. There you go. I'm guessing it's controversies, but is that why Alshon is still on the roster? Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just... Doing him a favor, I guess. I, I, that's a that one I don't understand because he's like a dead body at this point. Sadly. All right, let's go to our last team. A team with two first round picks. One of them via trading uh, Stephon Diggs away to the Buffalo Bills. I think that you can pencil in a wide receiver here to eat one of the two first round picks, which, like we've talked about, ends up being Rager or Jefferson. Maybe Mims if they really get unlucky. Dear God, I hope not. <laughs> so. I will say this right now, which doesn't make sense because I'm not sure that Cousins is better than Wentz. I, I, I don't know what to think about Wentz. I'm in a crisis with Wentz right now. But I think the Vikings are decidedly a much better landing spot than the Eagles. Oh, way better. Even with Thielen stealing targets, even with Irv taking a big step, even with Rudolph probably still drawing some attention, even with Cook taking 75 targets, this is worlds better. And it has nothing to do with Cousins – being an average quarterback, Cousins is whatever as a quarterback, but the numbers are always there. Whoever's in the offense is going to produce. Their top couple guys are going to do it. If they get Jalen Rager, I might re-become a Vikings fan. I might pledge allegiance to a team. I've been a Cowboys. I was a Cowboys fan from like the age of three until like three years ago. And then I've just kind of been in limbo, just enjoying good football, cheering for players. 
If they get Jalen Rager, I'm I'm a Vikings fan. <laughs> there you go. All right, that should wrap us up for the show today. Maybe we'll talk tight ends next week. We probably won't. No, tight ends. <laughs> we don't. This is the no tight end show. <laughs> no tight end show. Uh, that'll wrap us up for today. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff. And uh, any last words, Dan? Stay inside unless you're going kayaking and away from people. <laughs> Wash your hands, Kadoosh. <laughs>